Fantastic. Thank you so much. Can we give the worship team a round of applause to say thank you for serving us in that way? Um, is this on? Okay, fantastic. How's everyone doing? Is everyone good, eh? It's, it's great. If you're a guest here today, you are so welcome in this house. Um, you know, we have people that have just met for the first time and just feel welcome. This is family. This is home. Um, and if you're part of our extended family, welcome. It's great to meet you. Um, but I don't know about you, but I'm excited for what God's going to say today um, because I actually believe God still speaks. You know, what Alan shared, it was actually quite a, a powerful thing because I didn't know he was going to share that. Um, but it kind of lines up with something that I'm feeling to share today. So I love it when God does that. But can you turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 4, please? Um, just to warn you today, I am just going to just dig into the Word, if that's okay. Are you guys ready for that? I mean, we do believe in the, the Bible being the Word of God. And so if you had a church and you just want to be entertained, um, you might want to move on. Uh, maybe stick around for this week, and then <laughs> if it's not for you, carry on. And, and I won't be offended. But Acts chapter 4 is a powerful uh, scripture, but we've been going through the book of Acts. Who enjoyed last week just seeing the celebration of moving into this venue? It was a fantastic time, but I'm very aware that unless we build our lives on the Word of God and the truth of His Word, we're never going to survive. We're never going to live this thing out. You know, it's, it's just not sustainable because ultimately when I look at the Christian life, how many of you know people who are Christians but don't look like Jesus? So you're like, you're looking at one right now. <laughs> how many of you are so challenged in your own life where you think, hey, I, I, I love Jesus, but something is just not consistent here. Something between what he, who he says I am and what I'm living. Or just There's something missing of the, the Christian life, the, the fullness of God, the scriptures of God. I attend Sunday, I lift my hands up, I praise God, but something's missing. Well, I want to say to you today, today is a day of change. Today is the day where both by humility we come before him and we say, God, let your word shape us. Let it cut and pierce us to the heart that we can be transformed by your spirit and by your word. And I, and I just want to get real here. I mean, um, Ethan's been in a hospital. Obviously, he's doing a lot better, uh, which is fantastic. And, and I'm, I'm so grateful to God. But, you know, being part of a church family where we war together, where, where one of us is down, we're all there. We, we're fighting in this thing together. That is part of the local church. And I shared with the leaders, as, as a leader in this church, who have the privilege of leading the team that leads this church, I can tell you this week has been a struggle. It's been tough. If anyone knows what I do in property investment, anyone seen the news lately? <laughs> Interest rates are going through the roof. It blows your whole model up. And Sunday night last week, I seen there and I thought, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, you know those moments in life where you just think, oh no, that panic fills you, that fear fills you. I had one of those moments, I shared it with my leaders, because sometimes we look at the guy at the front and we think, he must have it all together. I'm on a journey just like you. I have moments of weakness, of fears, and to be able to share that with a leadership team, not have to act like I've, you know, this man of faith that just believes everything's perfect all the time. That is not the journey. But something I found encouragement in to, this week was this verse that I'm preaching on. And it got very real for me and very quickly. But um, Acts chapter 4, verse 23, it says this, On their release, 
Now remember what happened here. The beggar gets healed in Acts chapter 3. In Acts chapter 4, the, the leaders of the people call them in and they say, you need to stop preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. You've got to stop preaching in the name of Jesus and stop healing people. Anyone had that conversation? I mean, that would be a shocking thing. Imagine I said, guys, um, you just, Sarah, you're coming up with too many good ideas. You've just got to stop sharing the Bible with people in these prayer rooms. Who knows something's gone wrong at that point? Yeah. <laughs> well, because we believe in empowering people into their calling. These religious people wanted to control them because they couldn't control the move of the Spirit. And they reply and they say, we cannot help but speak of what we have heard and seen. And so people are praising God and it says they were arrested because of this. And then it says in verse 23, on their release, so after they arrested, that Peter and John went back. Can you say went back? to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. Notice something. Where did they go back to? Their own people. When you suffer, you should never suffer alone. When you are being challenged in something, in our Western world, what do we do? We retreat into our little home and say, I'm just going to deal with my stuff. And when I'm ready, then I'll come back into community. Notice what these guys do. They press into community. They go back to their own people. I love that phrase, own people. When I come to True Life Church, it's like, own people. These are the people I get to do life with. These are the people I get to war with. These are the people when my daughter's sick, they come and anoint my daughter with oil. These are the people that are there for you when all hell breaks loose. These are the people that I go back to. And our Western self-autonomous lifestyle where it's just me, my, and I. This is so counterintuitive. And I, and I love it because it's that communal suffering together of saying, actually, I'm not going back because some of us are going back to alcohol. Some of us go back to Netflix binging. Some of us go back to Instagram scrolling. Some of us go, where do you go back to, my friend? Can I encourage you? Go back to your own people. And come with them and war together. Because it says they report it. They don't try and hide it. They're not like, oh, we're the leaders. We should hide what's actually going on. It's like, no, no, all hell's happening here. They don't hide the truth. They war together in the truth. It says this. I love this. When they heard this, who the people of God, it says they raised their voices. Can you say raised? raised. You know, when we pray as a church, we're not British. Some of you are like, I don't raise my voice. In prayer meetings, I let everyone talk in their own turn. <laughs> Can I challenge you with this? Let's, there are moments in God where, yes, we pray around, but there are moments when we do this. We raise our voices in prayer to God. It gets loud. Imagine that day where, oh, I'm just going to have my little prayer life here. Because some people confuse us when Jesus dressed them. And oh no, Jesus said, when you pray, go and close the door and pray secretly. What was he dealing with? The Pharisees' hypocrisy. What's he dealing with in the book of Acts? A communal church going forward on mission together where there's something. If you've ever been in a prayer meeting where you raise your voices, it lifts your spirit because you start setting your heart together. I'm in this together. I'm praying together and I'm fighting for the kingdom together. And what does, what does the prayer say? I love this. It says, they raise it and gather and pray to God, not in complaining, not in crying. It says this, sovereign Lord. Can you say sovereign Lord? sovereign Lord? You made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. Everything. Don't you just love this? I'm sure that 
we're in our modern day Christianity, we've lost something of understanding the sovereignty of God. That God is big. We are small. You see, we, we live in this kind of Freudian psychology world where we're the center of the universe. Everything centers around me. My parents should treat me like I'm the king of their universe. Let me tell you something. What does sovereign mean? Sovereign means God is God. That means God doesn't have to answer to you for anything. He doesn't have to give you a reason for anything. You know what sovereignty is? When my grace comes and starts throwing a tantrum about something. <laughs> don't know. <laughs> when she starts throwing the tantrum, I don't have to give an explanation. Because in this moment, I'm in a place of sovereignty. I don't owe her any explanation of why she shouldn't jump off the sofa onto her head. I don't have to owe her an explanation why she can't run into the middle of the street when she wants to. I don't owe her that. Why? Because I'm in a place of sovereignty in a small sense. When we talk about sovereign Lord, we're talking about the God of the heavens. Notice when they suffer, what do they do? They look to not themselves. They say, let's get perspective here. Let's slow down. Let's change our perspective and put God back on his throne and say, God, you are the one who made the heavens, the earth, and the sea, and all that is in them. When you actually stop to consider that this week, just going on a walk, I'm like, Lord, I've got to clear my head. I've, I've got all these calculations going in my head. Then I have to go outside and look to the heavens and see no stars because of pollution and say, God, you made all of this without me. You didn't need to consult me. You didn't need to ask my permission. You didn't need anything from me. There's nothing I could give you. I love Romans 11.35. Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him, to him, through him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. That is the God that we serve. Let's not forget it. Because the sovereign Lord is the one who, you know, queens die. Economies shake. You know, we look at businesses going through, we going into a recession. All these things, the, the church is retreating in a nation. Does that mean God's not God? No. It means He is still King. He is still Lord. And that brings me comfort. Because when I humble myself and say, actually, God, you're bigger than me. You know what sovereign means? He doesn't need your vote. I believe in democracy. Well, he doesn't. <laughs> Thank you, Brad. I'm on my own. <laughs> We're the backbone of democracy. Dylan, what are you preaching? Are you preaching dictatorship? I'm preaching kingship. He is king without, he doesn't need your vote. That's why as a church, I'm like, okay, let's have a vote on what we should do and the direction we should go. No, no, no. What we do is we get on our knees and say, God, where do you want this church to go? What do you want this church to do? Not what does Dylan want? Not what does Tim want? Not what does Asher want? Sorry to offend you. But it says, uh, what does God want? That's the desire of our hearts. And if that offends you, you're welcome. But it says this, they reminded themselves, sovereign Lord. Can you say sovereign one more time? Romans 1.20, it says, since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities have been made known by, by what has been made so that we have no excuse before God. And it says in verse 21, for though they knew him as God, 
they did not glorify him as God. Uh, that verse just blew me away this week. I, I, they knew him as God, but they did not glorify him as God. And I asked myself the question, God, I know you, but am I glorifying you in the way I should? Is my life actually reflecting your glory here? Is it actually anything near what you deserve as the king of the universe? Because in verse 22 it says, Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man, birds, animals, and reptiles. And I love it. In verse 25, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. My goodness. They exchanged the, the glory of God, the truth of God, for a lie and worshipped and served the created rather than the creator. You know what I see today? We've exchanged the glory of the immortal God for ourselves to be the image of what everyone should run around after. I'm sorry, guys. We need to get back on our knees and put God back and say, God, not even put God back. It's God, you're already there. My language is shocking there. I repent. Is God, you have been on the throne from eternity to eternity. I am your son. I have the privilege of coming in. Because here, here's the deal. I think the problem we have in our modern Western day church, we've had a strong truth come through the church on identity in God. Being a son and daughter of God. I believe in that 100%. Big, big fan. Awesome stuff. But you know, there are two sides to the same coin. One side is you're a son. The other side is you're a slave to righteousness. You know, there's, there's two sides to this truth. There's, truth is held in tension a lot of the time in Scripture. You know, sometimes we have this Western logic that says either it's this or it's that. The Hebrews thought in the both and. It can be um, both a son and I'm a slave at the same time to righteousness. Do you see the, 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 the joining of these things? And if you have a problem with that, just remember God wasn't Western. He wasn't a Greek, you know, mathematician with logic. He's God. And I love it because sometimes I think he just likes to offend our little religious box. And so you want to put me in your little theological box? Is he a Calvinist or is he Arminian? It does, it's something like, I don't know what that means. Good. It's not in the Bible. So focus on Jesus. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> oh, I'm offending a few people here. You know, because sometimes people want to know, Dylan, are you a dad or are you a husband? So they're like, well, can I be both? So, you know, you look at God, something like, is he loving and does he also judge the world? Can he be both? Come on. Lord speaking. I hope. <laughs> Because sometimes we have this truth that I'm going to push. I've been to youth camps where it's like, hey, God's my mate. Let me just offend everyone again. Yes, God is your friend. John 15, 13, 14. Absolutely. But he's also your Lord and your king. Anyone know that their friendship with their father on earth, there's still that line of authority and respect that cannot be lost. It's not just like having another mate. It's like, no, you are dad. You are 
there's a moment where if you speak, there's a certain weight that your voice carries in my life. The problem we've seen is the deconstruction of family, and we've lost this respect for authority, and we've missed a good, powerful truth that when we're suffering, we don't know where to go because we think God's just like us, not that he's the king of the heavens and the earth. Come on. This is good stuff. You know what Psalm 115.3 says? Our God is in heaven, and he does whatever pleases him. I love that verse. It's one of my favorite verses. God, why? He does whatever pleases him. Can we learn to trust him when we actually exalt him for who he is and say, God, you are bigger. You know things I don't know. And I'm going to trust you in the midst of my chaos, in the midst of my suffering. I'm going to raise my voice in prayer to you and say, God, I need you to break in here. I need you to show me. But actually, I need to just trust in you. You know, Revelations 19, one of my favorite, favorite verses in the Bible. Uh, verse 11 says, uh, John, the apostle, I told you again a lot of the Bible today. Is, is this okay? Can I go into the Bible, write it down, listen to it again, get the word in you, put it on your fridge magnet and start, you know, living this thing out, right? Because we have all these fridge magnets about peace and love and joy. Put this one on your fridge magnet, right? It says this, I saw heaven opened. And there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. Like, yeah. And it says, <laughs> his, his robe is dripped in blood and his name is the Word of God. He makes war with his enemies. With justice, he judges and makes war. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. Why does he have that? Because he can. Oh, God has a tattoo. No, it's God. He said, it comes out. He said, <laughs> Brad's like, oh, my theological brain is dying right now. He comes, he's like, he makes war. He rules the nations with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his throne is a name. King of kings, Lord of lords. That's the Jesus we serve. Sometimes we, you know, we say we see a white horse and there's a rider, Jesus, coming down to earth. He's got a toothpick coming out of his mouth. No, the Bible says he has a sword coming out of his mouth. That's the God we serve. Why does he have the robe dressed in blood? The blood of his enemies. The, 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 our God's a warrior. He's a king. He's not weak. Like one preacher said, I don't want to serve a God I can beat up. <laughs> I love that. We need a God who's bigger than us, stronger than us, mightier than us. When we're going through hell, we can say, I know a God who can beat you down, devil. Because sometimes the devil gets exalted in our lives. It's spiritual warfare all the time. Rather than saying, actually, our king is bigger and mightier. When my, my brother, I love my brother. He's a, a, a loving God. But my goodness, when we were younger, if he got angry, we would fight. And because he was older and he cheated, he won. But let me tell you something. <laughs> my brother, some of you would think, my goodness, I would, a few people that know the story he would be scared of him. And I think Brad fought him a few times um, and lost as well. I think Willem also had a few games, you know, trying to beat him. But I'll never forget my brother who, you know, had this loving side and then he had this warrior side to him. The Russells, we don't do things half measured. We got all in or all out. Um, but I was at school in this se grade seven, or I don't know what you'd call it, yeah, year seven, year eight, whatever it is, and poured water on me. And I was in like year four. And I was, I was crying. I was like, ooh, ooh, ooh. I went to my, 
brother, and we were at a sports dad school. This is imprinted in my memory from years and years ago. I went to my brother. I was like, Shane, I, I'm crying. He's like, what's wrong, dear? I'm like, I remember the guy's name, Danks. Sounds like a loser, doesn't he? <laughs> He's called Danks. Jesus loves him. I get it. I get it. I'm, I'm like, well, the other theologian. But Danks is sitting all the way across in his house at the sports day. And I said, I pointed him. Danks threw water on me. <laughs> Crying. And I'm like, mmm, mmm. But it happened. My brother's eyes go red. He's not a big guy, but he can fight. And I just see him walk straight across. All the way across. Now I'm watching and I'm smiling even more as it's happening. And he goes, and Danks was a tall guy. Remember, it was year four, so everyone's tall. But he, he goes, and all I see him do is walk up to Danks, and he just grabs him by the throat and starts throttling him like this. Danks' eyes started going, and Danks nearly passed out. And, I was like, and now I'm really smiling. I'm like, okay, now I'm actually worried that he's going to kill Danks. You know? But the thing about my brother that you see there is you see two sides of a, a person where I knew my brother had my back, and I knew he could sort out the problem if I needed him to. The problem with us sometimes is we don't actually know God can handle the conflict. God can handle the war we're in. Sometimes we don't even think he can. Some of you like, I don't know where he's going with this. The thing is, my point is, Jesus is martyr and he's a warrior. Yeah. He's not just a butterfly. Put this on your fridge magnet. Amen. Oh, I actually did put it on my fridge magnet just to make a point to people at one stage of my life. You know, the Bible says this. Though the fig tree does not bud, there are no grapes on the vines. Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food. Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stall. What does that mean? Though your business is going bankrupt. Though your promotion at work isn't happening. Though your business line is drying up. Though your work situation is worse. Though there is no joy in your life right now. Though your marriage is going through a tough time. Though your children are going crazy. Though you've just lost someone that you've loved in your family. Though, 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 yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. He makes a choice. I will rejoice. I won't just sit in defeat. I'll choose to rejoice. I'll choose to be joyful. And then he says, the sovereign. Can you say the sovereign? Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heart. You know, look what he does. Though everything around me is going crazy, the sovereign Lord is my strength. This, uh, I remember one uh, Bible teacher saying to me, Dylan, your theology, your view of God and scripture needs to be big enough to carry you through suffering. What we've done is we've diminished God that when we suffer, we say, where is God? We don't have a theology that can get us through suffering anymore. Because we've made ourselves God instead of allowing him to be the king of kings and lord of lords. Amen. Amen. Come on. Oh man, I'm not even going to go into Ananias and Savara right now. <laughs> read, Revel not right, read Acts chapter 5 verse 1 to 11. And any questions you have, ask Brad or Danny. Yeah. And they would be happy to help you understand that. But my point is... To, just a quick summary, 
just to mess with you, the two people, they sell a piece of property in order to give it to the church, and then they decide, oh, we're going to keep some back for ourselves. And then what happens, they lie to them. They say, yes, this is all the money that we got for it, and then they both die. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 5, verse 11, great fear seized the whole church. Okay, can you imagine like we did an offering? People voluntarily give up like a property. They come and give, and I'm like, you lied to, um, not man, but God. You tested the Spirit of God just to point out that the Holy Spirit is God. That's a powerful point there. But they come in, and then they just drop dead. And the Bible says they got the young men in the church to carry them out the back of the church. And then the wife comes in three hours later and she's like, oh, and and they say, is that the full amount you got? She said, no, no, that is the full amount. And they say, well, how could you agree to test the spirit of God? The feet of the men who carried your husband out are going to come and carry you out too. And she drops down dead. All the young men in the church, can you imagine? Just bodies going out the church. (laughs) Yeah. Some of you are sitting there and you're guests and you're thinking, what church have I come to? <laughs> you know, it's amazing. And I love what Sarah's initiative is, is the word of God doesn't even make apologies. It doesn't try and explain. It tells us why. But there's something about when the glory of God comes, that it's so manifest that God is not limited to our thought boxes of who he is. I found it incredible, and I'll explain that in more detail maybe next week. But go and read it. <laughs> but I don't actually want it in one sense because I want you to see great fear. You know, you know what I've heard some people say? Fear is like so Old Testament. And I get what they mean. They say, you know, God's like this distant God. You had a whole generation that had a distant picture of God. Let me tell you something. Is a, a holy fear is a good thing. It is a, there's a beginning of wisdom. There's a getting on your knees saying, I, I, I remember having this holy fear of God. I've sinned. I need to have this. But then I started getting to know God as my father. But remember, two sides of the same coin. It's not either or. It's both and. And it's a good thing. Anyone who's got a, a good Christian father here knows that. When you see your dad angry. <laughs> There's something of a warrior spirit. I'll tell you something. Maya Grace's boyfriend, one boyfriend, in the far distant future, will see a very different side of Dylan. You'll be like, oh, Dylan, this loving guy. I don't know if you know. think that. But I'll be like this nice guy. But when he sits at my table, he's not going to get a warm welcome. He's going to encounter the wrath of God. And it's saying he will. But maybe from you he will, but not from me. That's for sure. And I've got another daughter coming. I will, I will read Revelations 19 to this boy. I promise you that much. Eh? Say so a sword. I'll pull out the sword. Say, yeah, okay, we'll go. Go do a mission trip in, I don't know, South Africa or something with guns where mistakes happen. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going off target here. <laughs> As you can see, I'm dealing with a fatherhood issue right now, you know. <laughs> I know we're having two. The nunnery needs to start right away. <laughs> the true life nuns. <laughs> Any parents in the room with daughters can say amen. Yes. <laughs> so the sovereign Lord. And then the second point I have. You're like, Dylan, you made a lot of points. The first one was that God is sovereign. 
The second point is we, we serve a God who speaks, the speaking Lord. The sovereign Lord, the speaking Lord, and thirdly, the sending Lord. But let's start here. As God speaks, before they had a problem, he had a solution. They came to the word of God as a place where the spirit of God guards them. And I love it because it says this. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Notice something. God speaks. What, does, he, does he just speak into a vacuum? No. He speaks through his people. And what do the church do? They take what he said in Psalm 2 and they say, look, Jesus has died. All this chaos is happening, but we understand this chaos in light of what he has said. We're going to take his word and not be silent with it, but we're going to speak it. You see, God speaks by the Holy Spirit through his people. And we need to emphasize this because so often we think the word of God is enough, which it is. There's there's an element of the Logos Word of God. There are two words for, for the Word. Are you ready for some theology? Is that cool? Yeah. Okay, good. You guys are so smart and wise and ready for this. Okay. Two words. You ready for this? Two great. Logos. Can you say Logos? Logos. And Rhema. Can you say Rhema? Rhema? Logos Word of God is what is written, what is here. We, we see it. It's there. This is truth. This is the Word of God. Whether you like it or not, it's there. But then you get something called the Rhema Word of God. This is the living Word of God where suddenly it's kind of like, has any of you ever been reading your Bible and suddenly something just jumps out at you? It's like God's almost just speaking straight through his word into your heart. Anyone had that moment? Anyone reading their Bible? No. <laughs> it jumps off me. That's called rhema. It's like this igniting of it. And I was saying to Danny on Wednesday, tools to thrive. This is why it's so important to sit under the word of God, to allow the word to speak to us in community. As I was sitting um, at the back there having a tough week and i'm sitting there and danny just reads romans 8 28 we know that in all things god works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose everyone knows i mean I've, i could quote you that verse for years but you know the funny part is as he just said it spoke it out it was like rhema boom life comes this is why it's so important and i just suddenly realized it's all going to be okay business everything it's, it's just going to be okay why because when you hear the word of god and it gets applied in your life it changes everything if you're a non-christian here sometimes i've had non-christians come to me after meetings and say um dylan did, did whoever the person is that bought them did they tell you about my situation because they think that you know somehow we knew what they were going through or sometimes people here think that i've heard about their lives or whatever and i'm preaching at them i'm like you know, the Word of God speaks to you. It actually convicts you. It challenges you. And a lot of the time, it's just God guarding His Word into our hearts. Notice something. The Word is spoken by God, but you need it every single day of your life. You cannot survive on yesterday's manner. In the Old Testament, the Israelites had to go and collect manna in the morning every single day in order to feed themselves in the desert. But when they tried to keep and get extra manna for the next day, it turned sour and rotten. You see, they had to live on the Word of God every day of their lives. It's not like, oh, I've read two hours of my Bible today. Tomorrow I'll give it a break. It's, no, 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 I need your word to speak to me every day that I wake up. I need to rely on your truth and your word. Amen. Come on. 
You know, if you're going through depression, I was reading this thing about um, the power of the word. Uh, Lloyd-Jones was a great preacher, and he said, uh, he wrote a book about spiritual depression, and he said this, the essence of wisdom is to talk to yourself and not listen to yourself. And I love that. The essence of wisdom is to talk to yourself, not listen to yourself. What should you talk to yourself? The truth of the word. You might wake up with this heaviness inside of you. My heart goes out to you. But I would say, wake up, get uh, Habakkuk 3, 17 to 19. Though the fig tree does not blossom, though I feel like there's a weight on my shoulders, on my mind right now, yet I will rejoice in God my Savior. Yet I will be joyful in my God. Well, I'm not feeling it, but what I'm doing is I'm speaking it even when I'm not feeling it. Amen. Because the Bible says in Proverbs 18.21, the tongue has the power of life and death. Those who love it will eat the fruit thereof. Now, there's a thing called the Word of Faith movement that kind of made this big thing of it. Like, you just declare something and you never face the reality of something. Very dangerous. But equally, the correction to that has been, I can say what I want and my life will just be the same. No, 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 no. The Word of God is powerful and we need to declare truth whilst we face the facts. We don't deny them, but we face them as Romans 4.19 says, By faith, Abraham faced the fact that his body was as good as dead and Sarah's womb was also barren. He faced the fact. He didn't deny them. Come on. Is this all right? I'm giving you my heart. This is me on a tough week. But I've been fighting and I will not go down without swinging. That's one thing. Romans 5.3 says this not only so we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance perseverance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not disappoint us the problem is we've lost the persevering we've lost the rejoicing in our sufferings we've gone to complaining and saying how bad it is but we've forgotten how to rejoice together in God and we've forgotten how to persevere And we have a generation coming through where we, I'll speak for myself, that we want things instantly. We have, I mean, you can get an instant coffee. uh, You can get an instant, who knows. I mean, even these ice cream things they do now with the gas or whatever it is. Have you seen that liquid thing where at at Alton Towers, where I thought I was going to die from motion sickness. um, They do like these ice cream things. Have you seen them? Nitrogen ice cream. I mean, what is that? It's demonic. Um, that they, th- because what's this thing? This thing is this instant thing. I went to Pepe's on Friday um, w- with Paul, and, and I thought, oh, it'll be quick five minutes. And we're sitting there for like 20 minutes waiting. I, it was disgusting. I, I nearly gave up hope. <laughs> I had hope. I could see it. I could taste it. But it was nearly disappointing me. I mean, I went to McDonald's the other day. And I mean, McDonald's are meant to be quick. All I wanted was a McFlurry. And then they're like messing about, messing about, like 10 minutes. I know, mate. I know. And then they're like, we don't have spoons. So you can't have a McFlurry. I'm like, give me that McFlurry. Like, are you sure, sir? I'm like, I'm 100% sure. I'll eat it with my hands if I have to. Why? Because I want to persevere to see the hope become a reality. You know, I remember about suffering a man named Samson who I met in South Africa and I was going to preach in his church and he's from Tanzania and he 
He comes, and I'll never forget this moment, one of those defining moments in your life as a young man sitting with Samson, and he's uh, telling me his story, and I I was at university with his daughter, Lydia, and and I I meet this guy, and I'm with a prophet called Dave, and he's a legend, and we're sitting there, and the kingdom's going, I said, Samson, tell me your story. I'm coming to preach into your church. What should I preach on? You know, how can I serve you? I said, Dylan, I was in uh, his home country, and then he had to flee with ethnic cleansing. And he had to go, you know, from this place. And he, long story short, he basically lost his, his whole family, his children, because they were part of a different tribe, had to leave them behind and run. And on the border crossing, he got shot. And he shows me the bullet hole where it came through and then went in here. And he's a man who's got, he got shot, and I said, what did you do, man? Like, how did you survive? What do you? He said, I got to the point where I just had to go and try to find my children. I could not, you know, carry on not knowing if my children are there or not. And he went and he crossed the border again, going through with this war zone. And he went through the streets and their children here. So I'm not going to share the details. But it was the most gruesome thing he ever saw in his life. When I was sitting there, I was, those moments where you think, that can't be real. And he went back in there, and um, to this day, he doesn't know if his children and family are alive or dead. That's, that's the reality of his life. And he, he comes back down, and um, he got sick. He ended up as a refugee in South Africa, which let me tell you something. It's not like refugee status here. There isn't a refugee system. It's on the streets. It's rough. And I'm preaching in his church. What do I say? That's where the gospel gets real. That's where suddenly a nice cheap message about you having a happy life doesn't float. When you preach into a church with 40 refugees who have all similar stories, I remember the one lady crawling up to me on her hands and knees saying, please pray for me, pastor. Please pray for me. I can't do that. I'm like, you stand up right now. I am not God. You don't grovel before me. You have dignity. But you go there and you serve because why? Suffering. And when you speak to something, you know what you see as a man of hope. A man who believes in the gospel unlike anything. When someone suffered and walked with Jesus, they have a strength about them, a realness about them that you want. But I'll tell you something, his life, his joy in his heart is incredible. It's contagious. Why? Because he's learned these scriptures and he lives the reality of them. You know, what career... Do you choose? I, you know, people ask me this all the time. I say, you know, sometimes we get so caught up in these things. Like, what is God speaking? You know, there's no verse in the Bible that tells you what career to choose. <laughs> Nothing. I, I always say, like, what do you love to do? What do you want to do? I, 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 within reason. <laughs> within reason. Um, I remember, oh, man, I'm probably going to get in trouble for this story. But I remember one pastor um, how many? No, we got too many kids. I can't. I can't. I, I'll do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll do it on Kids Men Week. I, I can't. I can't. Um, but the, the thing is, it's not so much about praying what job to do, as about knowing what commission God's given you in the kingdom. Whatever job you're doing, you are it. We're not waiting for an American to come over here and touch us with the oil, and then we all have it, and then we'll be able to go and change the world. <laughs> we love Americans. But you know what I've seen is the celebrityism infect us. And we think someone who's on Instagram with a certain amount of followers, they have the anointing. 
The younger generation, I'm telling you, it's in your minds. If only we had Naomi Rain. If only we had, somebody like, who is that? If only we had, you know, Billy Graham or Todd White or whoever your person is or John Papa or whatever your vibe is, right? Then we would change the city. No, no, no. If only we have the Spirit of God inside of His people, then we will change the city. And every single one of you have that living inside of you. The Spirit of God, Sarah coming up here with an idea inspired by the Spirit, breathing life on it and saying, church, let's get behind it. Yeah. And so let's send the word into our city. We, we, Paul said something to me, which I thought was prophetic. Like, Do you know you probably have a ministry into some of the roughest areas, like Lakes Estate, like across there with the housing that we have in those areas. Didn't even think of it like that, but it's true. Why? Because when we allow everything that we do to become an opportunity to minister for Him, suddenly the glory of God comes, wherever you are. Because there's a sending God, and I love this. Have you got two minutes in you? Five minutes, five minutes. Acts 4.31, it says this. Uh, oh man, uh, there's so much more I could share with you, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be tame here. It says this, after they pray. Can you say after? after. Who knows prayer actually does something? We're not into this like hyper-Calvinism where our prayers don't do anything. The prayers that we pray actually have an impact. So it says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. Come on. Who wants to see this building shaken? Yeah. We, I, I've got some good insurance on this for us. But I mean, <laughs> let's test it. Let's see. I mean, how would we even do that? I mean, talk about an act of God. <laughs> there we go. But I want to see this place shaken. And what does it say? They were, they were all, can you say all, all, filled with the Holy Spirit and did what? Spoke the word of God boldly. Now, some people believe that you get baptized in the Spirit once. Here's direct evidence that's not true. You get baptized, but you get filled with the Spirit continually after you've been baptized in the Spirit. All baptism means is the first time. So what you, what you see here is the same people from Acts chapter 2 verse 4, where it says all of, them, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and did what? Spoke in different kinds of tongues. The same people in Acts 4.31 are what? All of them filled with the Holy Spirit. If it was just a one-time event, why are they filled again now? But notice something very powerful here is they filled, but then the outcome is slightly different. It doesn't say they spoke in tongues. It says they spoke the word of God boldly. You see, the filling of the Spirit, I believe, is an empowerment for a direct need within humanity. That sometimes God will Fill us, and you might say, Dylan, how far do you take this? Well, I say, even in my business, I'm saying, Lord, fill me with wisdom, the spirit of wisdom that I can operate in at something beyond this world in order to fulfill your purposes. You see, we want to limit God to just one spiritual gift, but ultimately what we see, they were filled and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Some people are like, I'm just not bold. I can't share the word of God in my workplace. I want to rebuke that. I want to say, yes, you might not be, but when the Holy Spirit is inside of you, you speak the word of God with boldness. Come on. This is it. Ephesians 5, 17, do not be, get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. 
You know that word filled is present continuous tense, meaning it's a continual process of infilling. Amen. God is good. Worship team, could you guys please come up? Otherwise, I'll keep going. And the place was shaken. Who needs a fresh infilling of his spirit? Every day. You know, I, 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 I'm honestly in a place of reliance, unlike anything I've felt in a long time. And it's good. Sovereign Lord, I need you. Sovereign Lord, I need you to speak to me. Sovereign Lord, I need you to send me. In a season where we can retreat, I'm coming back to my own people and saying, as a leader in this church, I'm struggling. But you know what? I'm not struggling alone. I'm with the sovereign Lord and with the people of True Life Church. Come on. This is my tribe. This is my family. And I love it. But friends, we have a king who leads us. His name is Jesus. Can we stand, please? <laughs> Sovereign Lord, Will's Tommy. No, <laughs> you, you go with it. King Jesus. King G, whatever that one was. I just feel like the Lord wants us to take a moment because I feel like people are struggling today. I do feel like there is a, a struggle in some of our hearts, some of our minds, that actually it's time to lift our gaze back to Jesus. As Alan said, lifting our eyes to Him. Most me and Alan didn't speak before this about this specific thing. God is speaking to us. And I want us to raise our voices in prayer to God. I want us to pray, Ethan comes out of hospital. I want us to raise our voices for breakthrough in people's businesses and workplaces, all of this kind of stuff. Recession, all of that. Notice our God is in heaven, not in a recession. Come on. So I want us to actually say, no, no, we're not declaring that over our lives. Let's watch our tongues. And my wife rebuked me on this. Said, because uh, I said something about my business. I'm like, oh my goodness. And she said, don't say that. You know when your wife rebukes you? Yeah. This was brutal, but it was true. And you know something I had to say? And you know what she said to me? Repent. Wow. Godly wife, who can find? It was late at night, and um, yeah, I, I remember very clearly. We're going to Daddy for marital counseling after this. But my wife is right a lot of the time. And I want to I encourage us. I want to say the same thing. Repent. Change your thinking. Renew the mind. And say, actually, I'm lifting my gaze to the sovereign Lord as my strength. I will not allow the circumstances I'm in to define my life in the past. We have a big, big king. Come on. Let's lift our hands and let's pray out to God now. Jesus, we pray, Father God, for the roar of the line of the tribe of Judah.